It is time to tune up the band and stagger to the ring like the ECW zombie because it's now time for another sweet chin wag. Actually, no, I should say like, sweet chin wag. I am sad. <laughs> Joined as ever by Dan and Reardon. And for this week, special guests, Bryce and Dylan of the Making of Kayfabe podcast. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hello. Oh, <laughs> God, it's an invasion. <laughs> Not the invasion, though. Not the we'll invasion. Get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely will get to that one later. But uh, no, yes, as ever, and I like to do my little preamble here, we give you this podcast free of charge. Thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud. Now, then, and forever pending on other platforms. We'll get there eventually. Eventually. We will climb that mountain. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully soon. As I said, you know, a couple of podcasts back. There is hope that we might actually appear on another platform soon. <laughs> we can dream. But uh, before we get to this episode, which is all about WWECW, let us head over to Dan and visit him for this week's wrestling news. Dan, dun, 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 dun. Wrestling news. <laughs> <laughs> You've just gotten full force into this podcast, haven't you guys? Right <laughs> dropped right in there. Right? Yeah, we've, got to set, we've got to set the tone right. Yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, so we'll start with the week review and we're starting off with Raw and we had the big reveal that Mustafa Ali is the leader of Retribution. I want to say this was a swerve, but this is 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, the biggest heel of 2020 is indeed 2020. Just let that sink in. Well, well, Vince, when he has his way with getting uh, all of the Twitch money from all of the wrestlers, but I digress. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm definitely interested in it. It gets Mustafa Ali into a main event position, presumably. And to be fair, this is probably the most interesting retribution has been in the ring and not on Twitter in like the last however many weeks they've been appearing. So yeah. I'm all for it. And I will say they look pretty credible. Yeah. Um, having a leader like Mustafa Ali is... It, it's definitely surprising, um, considering because you see most of these factions in WWE will have some sort of like upper mid card and main eventer guy be the leader, but to to thrust it upon Ali came as a surprise to me because I literally thought they were yeah. gonna kind of kibosh it about two months down the line when it's revealed that CM Punk was the leader all along. No, uh... yeah, don't don't <laughs> don't forget that like couple couple weeks ago, Mustafa Ali was like jobbing on main event. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, crumbs, he was, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he was. He, like, three weeks ago, he lost to, like, Mansoor on main event or something. Is that is that how he rose to the ranks? He jobs from main event, and then suddenly suddenly he's the, he's just the leader. Know. I mean, to be fair, they basically have a ready-built story for him from the whole injury thing, and then that led, that led up to Kofi Mania. So they can just be like, hey, he's coming back for his chance that he so rightfully deserves, even though I know... This is uh, this has been a massive retcon the entire time. They never meant this. Somewhere in Japan, Hideo Kojima's going, God damn it, they're doing it better than I am. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to have want, I, stuck in my I, head all the time. I want, day now. I, want, I want that storyline written by Hideo <laughs> Kojima in WWE. I Can want New it. New Japan add Kojima as a booker. Oh, my God. I want the <laughs> shit out of that. Um... <laughs> 
Otherwise, the only other thing that we have with Retribution is, as far as we understand it, according to PW Insider, Mercedes Martinez might no longer be attached to them. She may actually be going back down to NXT. It's a surprise. I don't really one. know. I mean, it I... doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. But which one was she? Was she T Bar or Mace? <laughs> uh, no, she 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 was. Oh God, I'm trying to remember it now. Uh, retaliation, retaliation. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. reckoning, but that's Mia Yim. Yeah, I was. And I should remember that because you saw her, and I went, "Oh, that's Mia Yim." <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, it was much better when it was Day of Reckoning, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> That one or two? We all know that two is the better one. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it seems like they're deciding to detach her from it. And I again, I hope this doesn't really kill the momentum on it. I think the NXT Women's Division is already pretty stacked. And I think Raw could probably do with some help. <laughs> yeah. So. Indeed. Especially after... Talking, I mean, talking of NXT coming into both TakeOver and the most recent showing, again, women's division was really on form. Yeah, great, great TakeOver um, that was, and a great women's match. Oh, yeah, and one, also... one of the, uh, well, probably one of the best, well, probably the best TakeOver in this time period, really. Yeah. Uh, not We're to... going to term it the pandemic era. <laughs> <laughs> not purely for just like the in-ring uh, work which is amazing but i do like how they've rejigged the the performance center now uh, to make it look yeah, it looks really great. awesome uh, isn't it mm. the capital wrestling center uh, yes now? the yeah. capital yeah. wrestling center now nice nod to nice nod to their new york roots there i, I appreciate yeah, the wrestling historian me appreciates that one <laughs> <laughs> for, the, for for like the two percent of the audience who will notice that, <laughs> dang it, Dad, you're calling me out here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those people as well. I, saw it, I was like, oh, that's really that's a really nice like you know homage. <laughs> but uh, no, great to see not only uh, Tony Storm uh, coming back, but also Ember Moon, which I, that was oh. a shock for me to see. So happy to see Ember Moon come back. Yeah, if yeah. not just because I love the Eclipse as a move. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. What's better than a stunner? A top rope stunner. <laughs> yeah, a stunner where you launch yourself off the top and turn in midair. That would fuck anyone up. <laughs> it should. Absolutely. It's believable. <laughs> um, man, what else can we talk about? Takeover. Yeah, um, no. I mean, going into Takeover have to give mention to the uh, match between Isaiah Scott and Santos Escobar. Ooh. Amazing match. But, oh. you know, I think I think a lot of people have this judgment about the cruiserweight division, but those two guys absolutely hit it right out of the park. Yeah. Uh, we've now seen what looks like uh, Ashanti Adonis, who was previously Tahuti Miles, um, has now pretty much gone up working with Isaiah Scott in NXT. Uh, Leon Ruff is also part of the uh, latest batch of people to join WWE and is now signed on contract. It's looking good for the Cruiserweights. So it's looking really good. <laughs> um, I'm excited to see where this kind of this new era of the Cruiserweight division goes now. Uh, if, if, if this match is the start of the if this is like the start of something, I'm I'm so excited, so excited. Yeah, absolutely. And it does look like it's really going from strength to strength. Mm. Uh, otherwise, else in NXT, 
have to give a mention to that uh, Kushida dream match. Kushida was on form. Absolutely. Mm. And, um, and was throwing some dirty elbows. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, somewhere, somewhere Masara up in heaven was going... I approve of this. I approve yeah, of this massive. He, he was definitely throwing like all Japan elbows. <laughs> um, as I said to you earlier in the week, Dan, uh, something that made me uh, made me really wonder. Uh, I could tell that Kushida was quite upset because I, I get the feeling that no one told him that Dream was going to be dressing up or cosplaying as Doc Brown. Um, and he looked genuinely miffed with, <laughs> with, with Dream, and thus proceeded to elbow his head in. <laughs> yes. Because I mean that's one way to do it. Outfit could cause so much anger. I mean, because for, for, I mean, forgive me if I'm wrong, but if if I were Kushida and no one had told me that, and they would, uh, I would be quite upset at that. If I'm honest. Like the, yeah. like the, for, for, for reference to the tweet that I put out. He copied my whole flow, man. <laughs> I mean, you say that, but I feel like somebody instead said, hey, Kushida, today you're going to be fighting against uh, a sex criminal. Then I feel like, <laughs> yeah. like what the fuck? I'm going to beat the fuck out of this guy. And then, you know, that would explain the aggression, really. It, did, it, did, it wouldn't no, have helped. Say, it would not have helped. Because the, the, uh, if for those that haven't seen the match, the ending spot was fan was really really good because Kushida had the hoverboard lock in. Dream went for the Dream Valley driver and he just didn't let go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, to which I approve and of that massively. Some, some, a fantastic spot. B I just got the feeling that he was just like, no, I'm not letting him get out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> but as we said, as we said in the previous weeks, I, I like this new this new uh, Kushida who's now beating up these people of questionable nature. He first does this Austin Fury, now he's doing it to Velveteen. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's his new role in the company. Just Kushida has the crap out of Punisher, beating the crap out of problematic wrestlers. I can dig uh, it. I, I want to see the alternate universe now, where Marty McFly in Back to the Future was a vigilante. <laughs> That'd be weird as hell, man. Dude, we just need to get it together and watch Time Cop. It's alright. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, the main event, though, Dad. Yeah. Let's talk about the main event. Dude, the, main event. the main event was one of the best matches I've seen all year. Yes. Yeah. That Absolutely. main event is so fucking good. <laughs> That's exactly what I want, man. That's what I want from wrestling. That shit, I would watch that again right, oh, right now. If anyone, if there was anyone that was doubting whether or not Kyle O'Reilly could be a main eventer, A, just go back and watch his past matches anyway, and B, watch this match, and then you'll clearly see that he can hang with the best of them. Oh, mm. yeah, without question. Oh, my God. The, these two kick lumps out of each other. Well, yeah. Valor ended the match with a broken jaw in two places. <laughs> Oh, jeez. He looks like a spitting image character by the end of that match. Yeah, he really... <laughs> There's only one way to describe it, and it's that one, like, the side of his jaw that broke. You could just see, like, it had clearly moved... Something had clearly moved out of place, and there was, like, a bit, like, sticking out. <laughs> it's like he had a jawbreaker in his mouth, and then some, basically. <laughs> yeah. He decided to eat a tennis ball. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, uh, it was it was mm. fantastic and just like 
you know, some of the kicks that they were throwing each other. I was like, man, if 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 they ain't, I don't even know what they're selling. <laughs> just <laughs> how much it hurt. Oh man, uh, no. All in all, just ah, oh, thank you NXT in during this era for yeah, giving NXT us such a great main be... event and what oh. a surprising ending as well. Oh, I know. Well, it, the thing is, the ending was really good, but it's been a, such a shame with the most recent airing of NXT. Absolutely. But uh, no, to see Ridge Holland uh, having a an unconscious Adam Cole slumped down onto the entrance ramp and making his intentions clear, I was like, you know what? We've been talking about Ridge Holland a lot, but now I'm very behind Ridge Holland now. <laughs> It's just well, a I shame mean, my, NXT happens. My bar of reference is that Rich Holland is just Rich Holland is Brock Lesnar, but Yorkshire. So <laughs> <laughs> that's all I need to know. Yes, uh, but as I said, it's just a shame yeah, NXT I mean, happened. Obviously, though, as we said, it's a shame that it happened and that he is injured now. Um, as I have said, people from Yorkshire are are built different. And after seeing his leg just like go completely over and look like it snapped, I mean, he's, he's done multiple tendons and multiple bits of damage, and he's throwing up thumbs up. I mean, power to the man. Those rug. To be fair, he was a rugby league player, so he's probably used to taking big hits. But <laughs> <laughs> man, they, they, yeah, they made he, he managed to wear that one off. Rugby league players are made of rubber. It's someone like many. Yeah, it's someone who's had many leg injuries in the past. I felt for the guy. It looked uh, extremely painful. It wasn't just one leg; it was both legs. Yeah, right. It's like he dislocated his knee on the left leg and dislocated his ankle on the right leg or something. Like Jesus Christ, something, yeah, it was something so simple as well. Something so running the middle, like catches someone from a dive, like just mm. yeah. Especially when he's at the top, he's pushed as well. Like really, really oh, sorry for the guy. It's a shame. Pure, pure York Lesnar. Yeah, yeah. So the the sure, prognosis yeah. is about it's going to be six months to a year that he may be out, which is again massive, massive shame. And when I come back, I just hope yeah. nothing but for the best. For Ridge Holland, um, he's hoping that they still will get behind him for sure. I think they will. Ugh. I mean, they've got every reason to. <laughs> uh, otherwise, though, for the other bit of NXT, we had the return of Dexter Loomis. Yay! Beating up Austin Theory. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hang on. How, how are we cheering a serial killer? But actually, no, you know what? It explains a serial killer being up a, a, a questionable. A questionable human being. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm just happy for. I'm happy to have Dexter Loomis back. I, I, I mean, in my dreams, he's going on. He's going for a North American title push against Damian Priest. Those two will put on a great match. Oh, mm. that will be great. It, I mean, so in terms of... I am nothing but excited. <laughs> in terms of the mid card, man, I'm starting to realise that NXT has quite a strong mid card nowadays, doesn't it? Yeah, a very strong mid card. The entire mid card is upper mid card, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, and all built of solid granite. Let's be honest: Dexter Loomis, Timothy Thatcher, yeah, Damian Priest. Like, yeah, I wouldn't want to mess with any of them. <laughs> yeah, I, if I ever, if I ever end up in a situation where I'm anywhere near Timothy Thatcher, I am fearing for my life at all moments. <laughs> Trust me, seeing him live, yeah, you fear for your life even when you're in the back row of a wrestling show. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, the company, like, like the employee rugby team that those guys must be in? Like, dear God. <laughs> oh, the, the WWE oh. company rugby team. 
with Vince as captain, of course. <laughs> because he's because he's senile and he's crazy. Just All I'm semi- saying is Randy Orton's got to be the one taking the kicks, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh Gosh, no! Should we move on to SmackDown, Dan? <laughs> Before we go, on I mean, really, week, really, the uh, really the big the big news of SmackDown was the WWE draft. Uh, as drafts go, about eighty percent of it was just people going to the brands they were already on. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, the champion, I don't know, I wasn't really expecting like champions to be swapping around, although the New Day who became SmackDown champions then got drafted to Raw. I don't know. Because that isn't coincidence, is it? Um, but really, the, the biggest move has been Rollins to SmackDown. Uh, and we all, for a brief moment, I was like, okay, finally, Rollins Mysterio is done. And then Ray and Dominic went to SmackDown. <laughs> <laughs> Just when they thought it was over, they pulled me back in. I know it, but um, in terms of the other big moves, uh, AJ is now on Raw. Mm. Uh, we knew that he was not happy with working the Friday, working SmackDowns on Friday, so that's going to be much better for him. Keeps him away from Paul Heyman as well, which is good because it stops AJ from just wanting to hurt him. <laughs> Hopefully, he'll be a bit more cheerful on his Twitch channel, but. Uh, given everything that's going on (laughs) Uh, I'm calling this my sleeper pick of the draft so far but Miz and Morrison to Raw I'm definitely happy with that I'm definitely think they could do big things with that I mean they need a heel tag team on Raw so uh, I mean yeah they need a tag team period (laughs) (laughs) I like I like the Street Profits. I like Andrade and Gaza. I don't want to see number 18 in the Best of 20 series. <laughs> oh, crumbs, yeah. And let's not have like, a sports day event like they did with the Viking Raiders again, please. I hope not. Um, otherwise, the other big bits of news for me and us. Uh, Drew Gulak, undrafted, excuse me. Yeah. That's confusing. <laughs> Surely one of them's got to look at him and go, okay, yeah, we'll take him. <laughs> Guys, what happened to Drew Gulak's push? <laughs> it never happened. It never existed. <laughs> Cause no, because I could have sworn it was like a week and then he got released and then came back. <laughs> oh, yeah, when Daniel Bryan was in charge of SmackDown. <laughs> That's it. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. Um, otherwise, the only other bit of news was that... Uh, Lars Sullivan has returned to SmackDown. I don't care. And the oh my god! And the video crowd goes mild. Yes. <laughs> the audio engineers just turned up the sound a little bit, like a quarter degree. And you still heard the tumbleweed. Um... <laughs> Otherwise, though, moving out of here, going into other news, um, we'd just like to throw some respect out. Uh, this week it would have been Eddie Guerrero's 53rd birthday. Oh, wow. Um, lots of people have been on social media sharing out their favourite moments of Eddie and we just know how important he is to the business and how important he would have been uh, had he not on time be passed. Mm. Man, it feels like it was only yesterday but then I realised it was 2005, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, was a, I was an actual like 
I think I remember reading about it on the train in the metro, actually, strangely enough. Wow. Yeah. So it's still weird as hell for me. Yeah. It's crazy. Do you think even to this day, because they'll be wrestling as well, they could still get a WWE today, or could even be an AW, or, you know, do something else, Japan or something? Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah, I know a lot, a lot of people have been saying that they reckon if, even if he was still around now, he'd still be one of the best. And I think that would ring very true. No, yeah. absolutely. Without a doubt. Uh, moving on from that, we're taking a swing over to uh, to New Japan to go over the brief results of the G1 Climax over Night 11 and 12. Uh, Okada getting the win over Cobb. Uh, Takagi getting the win over Ibushi. Fantastic mm-hmm. match there. I mean, to be fair, the two of them expect them to be fantastic, really. Uh, going on to night 12, our, our Kent boy, Zack Sabre Jr., getting another win, moving up to six points. Local hero, is that SJ? Nice Local one. hero. Kent Mr. boy! Mr. Dangerous Techers himself. <laughs> Who knew such, uh, a, such a, a, a niche a niche comment from Soccer AM would get over in New Japan? Yeah. <laughs> Like, like I like I've said in many episodes before, the fact that there are Japanese people that know the word techers amazes me. <laughs> oh man. Um Sonata getting the win over well, right? mm, sorry? They know what Chicken Nando's is as well, right? Yes, they know. I hope so. Yes, I believe so oh, because man. of uh, one Mr. Osprey. <laughs> wow. Oh. Because he named his super kick, of course, the Cheeky Nandos, didn't he? That's it. Oh, <laughs> man. It's an Osprey thing to do. <laughs> it's the most, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I, I can't remember who it is. I think I think it's Trey Miguel has a move called Cheeky Nandos. Yes. I believe well. so, yeah. Um, but going back to it, uh, Sonata getting the win over Kenta, the battle of the people whose name are written in capitals. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, fan- fantastic for him. Sonata goes up to six points, and it looks to be the start of his uh, his rise through the G1 rankings. And people have been tipping him to do really well. I have, and I really want to keep my little bit of New Japan credibility. So hopefully, he does well. <laughs> no, um, the way I see it, I mean, if if they're looking to do Tagagi versus Sonata in the final, oh, that would be a match and a half. And I definitely oh, hell uh, yeah. go out of my way to be watching that. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, that definitely looks like it, unless they're holding true with the uh, the early rankings, and they're probably might even be looking towards Okada Ibushi. Mm. Or you know, it could be or- the swerve of the century, and Toriyano wins the whole thing and goes to Wrestle Kingdom next year. A man dream. I mean, to put it into context, this is like saying that Colt Cabana finally wins the AEW championship. That's one way of putting it to people that aren't quite the best, familiar the best with way of describing it was our truth winning King of the Ring. Exactly. So. <laughs> I would love that man. Our truth winning King of the Ring that would fucking rip. Oh I know I could do a Listen I can imagine our truth winning King of the Ring and I hate that I can. But let's be honest here. <laughs> I mean, R-Truth does have some credibility. He was once the NWA world champion. Yeah, and more that, importantly, yeah. he was K-Quick. 
Exactly. He had the match against John Cena at Capital Punishment in like 2011. <laughs> he did. Yes, he? I remember that. <laughs> no, no, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't he dressed in a Confederate uniform? Was that the Raw before <laughs> or during Capital Punishment? <laughs> I do. I do remember us walking indoors at one point, and I remember he turned to you and took a cigarette and started talking indoors. He's a, he's a very bad boy. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> but, Still, uh, though, remains, remains to be seen how they're going to be going with it. If you want my my dream final for the G one, I'd probably go Zack Sabre Junior versus Kota Ibushi, but oh, I don't see that being the case. Mm. I could see Ibushi making to the finals, actually, but you know, like, so he's sort of like in the mid-card, upper mid-card kind of way in New Japan, so I don't, yeah. I don't see him making it, but Ibushi's pretty much a stereotype, I think, at this point. Absolutely. Dude, Sonata versus Ibushi? Hell yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I'd see that. <laughs> uh, briefly going over to AEW, my big focus was on Doc this week, a lot of great matches on there. Uh, Eddie Kingston, fantastic as ever, amazing promo, amazing everything. Yeah. Give the guy the best in the world. <laughs> um, the Lucha Brothers match was absolutely fantastic, mm. um, and I as as stupid as it is, I can appreciate what they're doing between Matt Sadal and Michael Nakazawa. <laughs> taking taking something that's really unfortunate and just making something out of it and running with it. I love it. It's great. I, I I'm for it. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I can I can appreciate it. There's no need to like really stretch it out over months or whatever, but you know, just make like having a fun little moment out of it. I mean, as long it's as great. their match is better than the the Michael Nakazawa versus Alex Jabaley match at Fighter Fest that one time, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Otherwise though, just briefly going over to Ring of Honor for their pure tournament, which has been fantastic so far. Mm. Uh, PJ Black versus Tony Deppen was an absolute barnstormer of a match. Oh, again, mwah, chef's kiss for that one. Yeah, it was so good. You never would have thought that the man previously known as Justin Gabriel would be able to be so technical. <laughs> <laughs> well, the with Justin Gabriel, he's always a good wrestler. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, he's, always, he's always been great, but they've always he's always been pigeonholed as like. Mr. High Flyer, but actually yeah, when you have the chance to let him wrestle, he's actually really good at it. Yeah. And this is amazing for a guy as well that was in an accident where he did lose, uh, I think it was lost a finger as well, so the fact that he yeah, can still yeah, do he lost, it. Yeah, he lost a finger and said he, he broke like both of his knees. He's out there wrestling fingers. Mm. Oh my god. Are you only fingers to wrestle? Unless it's a thumb wrestling match, then you're fucked. Unless, you're, <laughs> uh, unless the mandible claw is your finisher as well. Oh man, <laughs> that's true. Or the claw. That's like what eighty percent of a claw now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just just the whole stump of a hand, like right into the mouth. Ooh, that would be oh, the mandible oh. stump, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's a move. In, in, my, in my in my head, I'm just like, all right, but like you wouldn't how, how to choke slam with no hands. <laughs> Oh yeah, well, okay. Use the other hand. Oh, and with that, we are done with the news.
Awesome. Dun, 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 dun. Oh. Done. Okay, I'll let you do that, Reader. Jeez. <laughs> it's done. It's over. You can okay. make continue. Okay, before we get to WWECW, let us move on to the recommendation corner. And uh, Bryce, Dylan, introduce yourselves. Hello. Plug away. Hi. <laughs> yeah, we're. we're um... Uh, yeah, I don't want to speak for Dylan, but my name is Bryce, his name's Dylan. Uh, yeah, we run a Making Gay Fair podcast, and uh, our kind of whole thing is that we take um, kind of the, the what could have been in wrestling and we rebook them in a way that kind of makes sense. So, like, for example, we've got episodes on kind of Taz being as good as he was, and uh, ECW, uh, original ECW, that is not today's ECW, um, having him come to WF and actually making a kind of main event character. We've got... Um, what, what, what have we got done? We just, we just recently rebooted AEW Women's Division. Uh, because yeah, dude, we did. Um, uh, my favorite one was uh, rebooking the right to censor. Oh, yeah. That was one of my favorite. Whenever I was a kid, I started watching wrestling and I hated because I was in kayfabe, like totally. I, I, I hated the right to censor because I'm like, oh, they took away the Godfather and Valvinas. They're my favorites, you know. <laughs> no, I can appreciate it. I can appreciate like how good that shit was and how they mm. dropped the ball with it. So I was like, what if they did this? And I came up with this, this what? Like it started off kind of like, let's just give Stevie Richards a bit more of a, <laughs> of a push, you know? and by the end of it, like Bryce can attest to this by the end of it, it just got fucking insane. Oh, I was yeah. just like, I just couldn't like, and then this happened and then this guy and then Steve Austin. And like, it just kept going. <laughs> Um, it grew arms so and legs was, pretty quickly. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It really did. Um, that was my favorite one to do. Um, so we we go back and and rewrite like parts of wrestling history that we think are really stupid. And then at the end of the sh- of each show, we do a little game um, where we have like a minute to like try to book something really quickly. And um, that shit's a lot of fun if you if you've ever. Uh, listen to it. It's called, we it's called one... Tombola. We do, um, it's basically, um, so whoever's not hosting that week has to do this little game. And they're given kind of, um, four four wrestlers, four situations, one to four, A to D. And they've got to kind of choose like 3C or 2B. And then it ends up like, you know, fucking like Stephen Richards is now a janitor. Like that kind of thing. You've got to build a storyline kind of um, surrounding that in about 60 seconds and it's good fun. It's probably the most stressful moment of my life when I do it. But really stressed out, but I'm like, this is a, I fucking love it. I'm like, Bryce, Bryce really recently introduced some more rules to make it even harder for me. So I don't know. I don't know if that one's up yet, but there's going to be some. Coming up on Tuesday, yeah. I don't want to give it away, but it's called Russo Tombola. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's as chaotic as you think it's going to be uh, so that's going to be on Tuesday and it, that one's worth a listen to because that was so funny yeah just a plug for the episode actually our next episode coming Tuesday so we just done the AWM division for next Tuesday we're going to be focusing on the unmasking of King back in 2003 so rebooking that mess and leaving Shane and the fuck out of it so that's what we're going to be doing uh, on Tuesday so yeah check us out we're on every podcast platform you can name uh, making kayfabe search us or making kayfabe on Twitter uh, email us, makingkfabe.gmail.com and we will have your ears to listen to the so, so you guys are on all, all the um, all the podcast stuff, lucky for some. Lucky for some. <laughs> <laughs> we were beaten to it. <laughs> <laughs> we will always be pending. Always be pending. I mean, always. 
be I, pending. I mean, we have joked about putting that on a T-shirt, so I think it'll that'll definitely probably that... be the second merch drop that we will ever have. I, 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 I'm sorry, we were joking? I say joking, we were actually being quite serious, but I don't <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Bryce and Dylan. And now let us move on to the history of ECW Part 2, the, uh, the dilution of extreme, as I like to call it. The, the one high and the many lows. But Van Damme was the one that was high, right? Hey! followers! I mean, that is true. We are on 420 followers and we did make the joke of Rob Van it's too easy to make. <laughs> too, too darn easy. Okay, let us set the Wayback Machine to 2003. We are one year deep into the brand extension of, uh, of Raw and SmackDown. Um, we have the Undisputed Champion has now gone over exclusively to SmackDown, that being Brock Lesnar, and Triple H is well into his reign of terror and Funny enough, he had just been... We, I mean, we've already been salty about him beating Booker T at WrestleMania 19, but we won't go over that again, Reardon. <laughs> Actually, I wasn't going to say that. I I legitimately <laughs> thought that you were saying, like, we were... I thought you were about to go, we were one year in the, the Iraq-Afghanistan war. <laughs> That's oh, what I honestly thought you were going to go for. <laughs> I legitimately thought, wow, is he going to mention that? Damn. <laughs> yes, because Paul Heyman was on the front line. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, the reason I go to 2003 is at this time, WWE had acquired the rights of the ECW trademark and video library from the HHG Corporation that was run by Paul Heyman. Now, in 2004, November 2004, WWE home video release... The Rise and Fall of ECW, which, by the way, offshoot of everyone here, has anyone seen it? And what are your thoughts on that um, uh, documentary? Because I think it's great. Yeah, it I, is fantastic. I remember seeing it. I remember seeing it in like in like a um, game station when game station existed and had DVDs. Throwback. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? I remember seeing it and it looked like such a cursed item to my to my <laughs> to my to my casual fan ass. <laughs> Um, but no, uh, yeah, the uh, reason I bring this up is because this was, at the time, the highest selling uh, home video release that WWE had put out. I think it garnered about at least a couple of mini million buys. Um, and this prompted Rob Van Dam to reach out to Vince and go, hey, look, I've got this really cool idea. Now, now ECW merchandise is selling like gangbusters. You've reissued the ECF and W shirt, the hockey shirt. You've got the rise and fall with ECW. Why don't we just put a, a, a one-time reunion show? I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Vince, hmm. funny enough, agreed to this actually happening. <laughs> Vince was like, yes, money. Oh, well, actually, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, money. Yeah, I really should have thought about that. I should have. <laughs> And thus, ECW One Night Stand became a thing. It emanated from the Hammerstein Ballroom on the 12th of June, 2005. And holy moly, this 
was an event and a half. And so basically I'm pulling, I was re-watching it on the network the other day and was funny enough watching the OSW review um, episode on One Night Stand 2005. And wow, I can remember watching this again. Uh, I had it on pay-per-view and was watching this and how crazy it was. Um, does anyone remember, if anyone has seen One Night Stand, their initial thoughts on it? I remember Tanaka versus awesome very, very vividly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one of the few matches I actually vividly remember from it. God, that's a brutal match. That final spot is incredible. Like, um, if I remember right, it's awesome. Awesome bomb over the top rope through a table. We should be at the end of the match, and you've got the camera just focusing on Tanaka being kind of put through the table. And then out of nowhere, the fucking Mickey Austin just fucking dives over the top rope yes. on Tanaka and gets a pinfall. I was like, what the fuck? It's the. Uh, <laughs> It was incredible. I love that match. It's probably like one of my favorite matches of all time. It's uh, although like the guys just like literally just beat the shit out of each other. It's just it's just great. A big mm. fucking hot fight with weapons and standing up shit, putting people through things, and like that, that's wrestling. Yes, yes. It's <laughs> it's funny looking back on this one and knowing that no match went over twelve minutes. Like all of them are very short, very yeah. sweet matches. And this event. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if they went literally one minute longer, someone would die in the ring. But let's be honest, yeah. I feel like most of this event was purely on entrances alone. I mean, I mean, I think the Sandman took about 15 minutes for him to actually get in before the match started. <laughs> I think that's just the Sandman's entrance anyway. <laughs> oh, man. Like, you don't want to... Like, that, that entrance is absolutely incredible. Like, that... that... The actual oh, entrance was Enter Sandman, and then you go and they watch it, and it's just it's kind of not the same because they've not put Enter Sandman there. They've got like fucking generic entrance music. Oh eight, yeah, no, they have they have like they have like the uh, the WWE 2K default music. Yes. But highlights from this event uh, were, of course, Lance Storm's last ever match against Chris Jericho. Uh, yeah, that is a great. That, the opening match, fucking mm, love that. What? Yeah, what an opening match to have. And then you had Super Crazy defeating Little Guido and Tajiri uh, in, in a great yeah. triple threat. More Tajiri, let's go. <laughs> yes, more Tajiri. Fucking Tajiri. Yes, rips. love Tajiri. Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero in a technical masterpiece. Although I will say that the crowd were really not invested in this. They were kind of... Yeah, they weren't. the crowd weren't feeling it. Uh, and I, I don't know about you, looking back on it, and I agree with um, with Jay and Steve on OSW, and they said that Benoit looked genuinely miffed at Eddie during this whole match. <laughs> like, something must have been up. I had an argument before or something. Mm. I think that's the story, because, like, um, I had an argument before, just weren't, weren't like each other at all. And, like, you watch that entrance, you watch Eddie Grail come out, and he's just staring daggers at Benoit, so, like, something happened. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, from from what I've heard and from several wrestlers' um, accounts, that Eddie was six months before he unfortunately passed away. He was getting quite slow and he was gassing out very quickly, um, and he was getting very frustrated that he couldn't work the rate he used to work. Um, and I think I think it was because Benoit he knew that going in the ring with Benoit was like, oh crap I'm gonna have to do a hundred I'm gonna have to go a hundred miles an hour and give a hundred percent at this and I'd not and I don't I'm not in the condition to do it so. Mm. That must have been the start of an argument there. Um, yeah. Of course, Awesome versus Tanaka, which was holy moly, was that a match and a half? Just chair shot after chair shot after table shot after chair shot. 
And of course, the main event of the Dudleys uh, versus Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman ending in a scuffle between ECW and Raw and SmackDown. Of course, the famous moment of that is where JBL went into business for himself and beat the living turd out of the uh, Blue Meanie. Uh, <laughs> he absolutely stiffed him. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it was oh that was a horrible sight seeing Meanie's face after like the after it had all died down. But uh, I guess you could say, fortunately for Meanie, he would get his revenge back on JBL on a SmackDown show. I mean, well, Stevie would when he absolutely twatted him over the head with a chair shot. (laughs) That was the worst slash best chair shot ever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but but no, this this was an amazingly well received um, pay per view. Apparently, I think it was like close to. 400,000 pay-per-view buys and of course a full sold out attendance of uh, 2,500 at the Hammerstein Ballroom which convinced Vince enough to do one more show the next year Um, and shortly before uh, the 2006 One Night Stand uh, Rob Van Dam had won the Money in the Bank briefcase and told Cena straight up that he's going to face him at One Night Stand 2006 um, and also, I think it was a couple of weeks before this, I think they had officially announced that ECW was officially coming back as a third brand. Um, yeah. Now, I think the intention, the original intention from what I saw in the press release for two, uh, for ECW was that they were going to, it was going to be a more stripped back version of the WWE product. It was going to be very similar to what they, what had built ECW um, and just give a shine, a shine of spotlight, not only on the originals, but to also have a, sh- a shine of spotlight on the development talent. Or at least that was what the, the original intention in the press release had said. But let us jump to, before we get to that, let us jump, not not to ECW One Night Stand 2006, but to the weird WWE versus ECW show that aired two nights prior. And oh, yeah. in particular... The main, I can't believe I'm going to say this. The main event of John Cena versus Sabu. <laughs> Saying <laughs> that just feels weird. <laughs> that isn't. That is a 2K13 hit random match. If I ever heard it, <laughs> it's uh, that five year later universe mode booking. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because all I remember from it was that John Cena was just getting f- chairs thrown at him and then eventually had a table spot. And I think that was about about it. Um, but it was the one, it was like one of like the four times that um, Sabu hit the, hit the move where he jumps off the chair onto the top rope. <laughs> <laughs> what, without, without botching? No. Yeah, sure. without botching amazingly. That's why I said like one of four out of like the 9,000 times he tried it. <laughs> oh, no, I'm glad I brought that one up because it's such a random match. And it leads us, of course, to uh, One Night Stand 2006. Again, from the Hammerstein Ballroom. I don't know about you, all of you um, in, in what you think about this event, but I can definitely see, and even when I saw it live, Um, on pay-per-view that there was a heck of a lot more involvement with wwe guys in this one than there was the previous year Mm. 
Um, because well, I, think by, I think by this point they were like, oh, well, we're bringing you back as the third brand, so let's put a bunch of our guys in it to make sure it's explicitly clear that this is our product. Was it not Big Show versus Batista or something in front of an ECW crowd and it shat on it completely? Oh, yeah, that was, yeah. I think that was like second yeah. show out when they were on TV. Um, I remember, I think the one that really... Um, really tanked um a one night stand this uh this uh year one uh, the year's one in particular was when Rey mysterio faced sabu uh, in an extreme rules match for the world heavyweight championship and it ended in a no contest oh uh because if i remember rightly sabu went to had uh, placed a table between the guardrail and the apron of the ring sabu jumps to the top rope and ddt's yep. mysterio through it and it just ends like straight up just ends after that yeah, like the match literally just ends because that's definitely what would happen in ECW. <laughs> um, yeah, highlights from this one in, uh, include Taz defeating Jerry Lawler in a 35 second squash match. Uh, of course, defeating Don't Lawler. Don't about that match's existence. <laughs> <laughs> defeating him with the Taz mission, of course, because <laughs> what else would you use for, ta- for Taz? I mean, for a guy that. All right, let's be honest. He wasn't the most nimble in 2006. I'm just going to put it out there. He was quite <laughs> overweight at that time. He was five foot six, but he was like five foot six wide as well. <laughs> like a perfect circle. <laughs> Dang it, oh, Rose. <laughs> uh, Kurt Angle doing his big old wrestling machine gimmick. A new acquisition of ECW defeating Randy Orton by submission. Um, Excuse me, I'll have you know it was Perk Angle that was there. Perk Angle, oh gosh. <laughs> oh, Kurt, what were you like? It would be two, I think it would be two months shortly after this that Kurt would actually leave WWE, so he wasn't there at ECW for very long. No. Um, of course, talked about Mysterio and Sabu ending in a no contest. The, uh, the intergender extreme rules match of Edge, Lita and Mick Foley defeating... Bueller, Terry Funk, and Tommy Dreamer. Of course, Terry Funk being Terry Funk was absolutely nuts in that match. And of course, when he were when he bladed, he does the whole thing of my eye, my eye. <laughs> it's always the go-to I've seen for Terry Funk is that anytime he gets blade or he blades or he's bleeding profusely, he'll always just scream my eye, my eye. <laughs> because he cuts his arm. That's my eye. <laughs> He's got a brand, man. Uh, what I will say, though, is that... Uh... Terry Funk takes takes clothesline immediately <laughs> blades. <laughs> what I will say about this match, though, is that uh, I give props to Edge. He did he did step up on this one, just like they did, just like he did against Mick Foley at that year's WrestleMania in that amazing hardcore match. Um, oh, oh, this Edge, match. this was peak amazing. This was peak Edge. Like, this was like, he was so white hot at this time. As a heel, this Edge, Edge, Edge at these matches, he seems to have this thing of I am going whenever I'm going against a hardcore guy, I'm just going to. I like I can be hardcore too. Look, and everyone's like, oh my god, he's gonna kill himself. <laughs> um, Balls Mahoney defeating Masato Tanaka in a five-minute Extreme Rules match that was. All right, part and parcel, it was an extremely rough match. I mean, we talk about the awesome match earlier, but this one was just like, all right, let's just chair shot, chair shot, let's just end it. (laughs) All right, 
just just so we can do this quickly, can I can I get either a Pokedex or a reference se- section for Balls Mahoney? <laughs> That's yeah, absolutely go for it. <laughs> Uh, here's how to explain Balls Mahoney. He is a wrestler who is not exactly the most peak physical condition, but he goes around and hits people with chairs and then shouts balls. <laughs> and that's Balls Mahoney in a nutshell, everyone. If you want it, if you didn't know, hey. now you know. Hey. Now you know. <laughs> I mean, it's a great gimmick. That's how you get. That's how you get over. What do people love? Balls. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, if only it was 1999 WWF. <laughs> balls oh and also, what do people want? Head and balls. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, you're right. <laughs> they want, it's the whole package, man. That's what they want. They don't just want head, you know what I mean? Al Snow, Mahoney, <laughs> create a faction named off the body parts, and it goes head, shoulders, knees, and balls. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, can we expect that in a future making kayfabe podcast yeah. <laughs> yeah. a confident yes <laughs> and of course the main event of Rob Van Dam versus John Cena uh, I want to like briefly talk about this one because the crowd was oh they were passionate about not wanting Cena to win this night <laughs> like, you know you know when you say like you have a tough crowd John Cena had a crowd that were ready to literally kill him. Yes, you know when to be right. Yeah, Cena wins, we right, and the entire place gets burned down. I remember Cena doesn't leave here alive if he wins. I think you know what? Of all the um, if X wins, we riot. It it makes sense that the first one of that is the one where it was like not hyperbole. Pretty much. I remember specifically when Cena went to do the whole sh- throwing the shirt out into the crowd. It just having having it thrown right back in his face. <laughs> yeah. I think he did it three more times before he just gave up. <laughs> oh, but no. Um, not necessarily like uh, an iconic match. It was it was a very serviceable match that definitely told a very good story, and I think a lot of it has to do with the crowd being so behind RVD. It was the atmosphere, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, of course, the the one big kind of like highlight from this was, of course, the 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 man clad in a black duster jacket and a motorcycle helmet spearing John Cena, and it was revealed it was Edge. It was Edge all along. <laughs> of course, RVD going for the five star and getting the win to become not only WWE champion but ECW champion uh thus concludes one night stand and we head into wwecw shown on the sci-fi network of all yeah (laughs) yeah you you have no idea okay i can actually tell you because i mentioned this last um last podcast that i was more aware of wwecw and I could tell you exactly where I was when I watched it. I was in Jamaica <laughs> in a hotel room because Jamaica gets the American broadcasts. Mm. So I remember like being on the sci-fi channel, being eleven I would have turned twelve years old because that was the that was the 
one where I turned 12 years old. That was the holiday. And seeing this and being like, why in the why in God's name is this on the sci-fi channel? <laughs> Uh, the reasoning behind this was because uh, USA's uh, the USA Network's parent company, NBC Universal, also owned Sci-Fi, and of course, to kind of pally pally up with with them, uh, WWE decided to to put ECW onto the Sci-Fi Network. Um, but uh, this came with a couple of caveats as well for ECW. <laughs> Um, every so often they would have to have something or a gimmick or a little spot where they would have to have a specific <laughs> sci-fi sort of thing. So let us move into the very first episode of ECW. Do anyone remember, does anyone remember watching this and being as utterly confused as I was when watching it? Yes. <laughs> Only... Even now, talking about it, it's so weird to explain to someone. Because, <laughs> alright, it started off great. An in-ring segment with Paul Heyman and Rob Van Dam, with Heyman giving um, RVD the uh, the new ECW Heavyweight Championship. And now he's uh, double champion. Great. Amazing start. It immediately just goes straight downhill when, you know, the ECW zombie walks out... <laughs> Looking like a lumberjack, uh, to take a quote from Brian Zane, a lumberjack that just went through a, t- a tail-compelled factory. <laughs> and How come- dare you? That is a legend and an icon in our business. <laughs> what I will say, he does cut one of the best promos of the decade. <laughs> cut one of the best promos in WWECW. Would you mind transcribing it for us? <laughs> right. He says as follows. <laughs> oh. And, then, oh. and of course <laughs> of course the sad man comes out and completely, you know, wrecks him with a kendo stick. Uh and of course, even Taz and Joey Styles were utterly confused in this whole thing. <laughs> but uh, that and Joey Styles was like, what did I sign up for? <laughs> Gentlemen, if I may, uh, so Dylan and I have actually prepared a couple of um, uh, making KKP and nuggets for you. Mm. And uh, if you don't mind me taking five minutes, I'm going to briefly run through you guys exactly how you make the ECW zombie a top star in the company. Yes! Here we go. So, so as you can tell from ECW zombie's uh, placement in the show, you know, the first ever match and ECW's first ever episode, you can tell that the WWE had like, huge plans for the zombie. You know, he, he was destined to be like an absolute megastar among the likes of the Bobby Lashleys, the, the CM Punks, and the other names of ECW. So, so yeah, he, he explained what happened to the zombie. He came out in ECW's first episode, uh, the first person to ever appear, and he cut like a passionate promo um, of which his contents, you know, nobody quite fully understood. You know, he just grunted like a zombie does. Just grunts. And you're thinking, you know, who the hell is this guy? Anyway, like you said, 20 seconds later, Sandman's going all nigging on his ass and hitting him again and again with a kendo stick. <laughs> but what if? But what if it wasn't the zombie's only ever appearance in ECW? You know, what if he had... Well, he had more appearances. I don't want to spoil anything because I'll stop hearing after this, but, you know, what if he had more appearances and actually became a compelling character? Well, thank God you got me on your show, buddies, because that's something I'm about to answer. So here, here's what you do. Here's how you make the ECW zombie a top guy in ECW. So 
So what you do is have, you have the zombie appear every single week. Every single week you have him get his ass kicked by some guy in the roster. So like maybe maybe week two, Hacker Holly comes out and kicks seven shades of shit out of him. Maybe three, you've got Test uh, come out and pump handle, slamming him to hell. Week four, Tommy Dreamer. Week five, Sabu. You, you get the point. The zombie's coming out every week and he's getting squashed by these guys, but it keeps coming back because that's what zombies do. Here's a sprinkle of intrigue you have in the character. So before he gets his ass kicked every week, he has a microphone. So you remember, as as you um, perfectly imitated there, it, it comes out and does the whole, you know, ooga booga kind of thing, you know? But as the, <laughs> but, but as the weeks progress, he actually starts to make more sense. He starts to learn English slowly but surely. Most of his promos are still the whole uh and blah, but he starts saying the words like match and fans and, and, and zombie win. The, the latter of which would be the last words of his promo every time. The last words would be zombie win. And you know what happens when, when, when fans get a catchphrase to play with? You know, they start they start to chant it. So eventually after a few weeks or so Every time the zombie is out there and the bell rings, you've got these these rabid fans chanting, you know, zombie win, zombie win, zombie win. Because, like, as a, you know, as he starts pulling out actual English words together, what it's effectively doing is humanising the character. And it, it makes him a zombie relatable to humans. Anyway, <laughs> we're not done. Anyway, it gets to the stage where the, the ECW zombies are full-on fan favourites. So, gone... Gone are the days where people were saying, you know, who the fuck is this guy? Now they're saying, we want more of this guy. So comes the day when the zombie comes out and he's cutting a promo and he's interrupted by him. Um, he basically gets interrupted by ECW's biggest, like, most hateable heel of all time. I don't know who that would be around this time, uh, but for argument's sake, let's make it video, like, little video, whatever. So by now, this is probably like a few months in, like the fans are conditioned to expect a zombie loss, but no, they don't care. They're still they're still chatting zombie win, zombie win. You know, they're still very, very much in the corner of the ECW zombie. And gents, do you know what happens? Do you know what the ECW zombie does? The bell rings, the zombie he immediately grabs Nunzio, he hits him with his finishing move, the brains buster, pins him, <laughs> one, two, three, and the crowd go fucking nuts. The zombie has his first ever win in ECW, and the fans who've warmed to him over the last few months because of him coming more and more of an underdog, they're absolutely loving it. And then when the crowd going crazy, the zombie grabs the microphone, and though his English is still not perfect, his voice is still a little gruff, he utters the phrase, Thank you. And there you have it. Bryce, I have just a very simple question. Actually. Yes. Are you out of your mind? That's been said in the past, but yeah. <laughs> what have I just the, listened the to? The ECW zombie, but the ECW zombie gets booked like Daniel Bryan. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're playing Daniel Bryan gets bigger like ECW zombie. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, my my correction, my correction. I just it's a shame that it's just a shame that that never happened because when when we get back when we switch back to the reality we unfortunately live in, it ends up being weeks of Vince McMahon getting probed by an alien, King Leonidas from 300 getting twatted by the Sandman, Natural Libre getting twatted by the Sandman, <laughs> and vice versa. <laughs> But no, it's like, 
um, by the way, amazing booking. And I feel like that if there's not an advertisement yeah. for people to watch Making Kayfabe that is as good as that, I don't want to hear that that other one because that one was perfect. <laughs> That is the best we've ever done. That, that's peach. You guys are lucky about that one, let me tell you. <laughs> so, I think it was immediate, like, from that first showing of ECW on Sci-Fi, that this one was going to be very, very different from the ECW that, well, the hardcore fans came to know and love and hold with such high regard. And thus, kind of, actually, I mean, other highlights from the, from the ne- from the next few weeks would be, of course, Test re-debuting in WWE under the ECW oh, banner. Love Test. We would have, of course, Kurt Angle coming in and shortly leaving afterwards. And, uh, of course, two weeks, two weeks into his title reign, Rob Van Dam gets busted for drug possession with Sabu whilst in his car. And thus, hey, man, we've quick. all been there. <laughs> and thus relinquishes I'll take news that is not surprising at all for 200 years, <laughs> and thus he relinquishes both titles in the same week of course ECW champion was the big show um, because well... oof. 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 and I'm talking about peak wide big show I mean this is big show yeah. this is big boy big show Oh man! <laughs> um, and so it's safe to say that just this EC- just just mull over that <laughs> big show ECW champion. Oh, Fast trust me, Dad. It gets worse. Oh my God! I know. It gets worse. <laughs> but you know what? There are some things that we can talk about that are actually quite good highlights. Was that the 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 signing of develop or the bringing up of development talent over? to ECW. So right at the beginning, well, a few weeks in, we would have CM Punk making his debut, uh, which was uh, which was a great debut to have at the Hammerstein Ballroom it as well. It was incredible to have. And of course, we don't know whatever happened to old CM Punk. Some say that he's still in Chicago <laughs> under a bridge there, begging for money to wrestle, but you know. <laughs> I just want to know what happened to the Pepsi tattoo, man. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I mean, and I want to bring up a couple of other people. Of course, we had Kevin Fawn come up. Of course, the former Mordecai. <laughs> mm-hmm. We had Mike Knox and his girlfriend Kelly Kelly, who was an exhibitionist and would do strip teases during the ECW shows. I mean, I never said this was going to be your mum as ECW. <laughs> um, <laughs> we had Elijah Burke, of course. Before he ended up wrestling, of course, he was the manager for Sylvester Turkai. Does anyone remember that yes. guy? Yes. I remember Turkai. Was it a former... Hmm. He was like a, a former... I think he was a former MMA fighter that came over to ECW. Uh, but, yeah, I think he had like a couple of matches against Ken Shamrock, I think. Um, I think that was his claim to fame before kind of he entered ECW, and then so he was billed as this like deadly force, built like a brick shit house, but then kind of got released quite quickly after he entered ECW. Yeah. And of course, because I did not bring him up, we have a Ken lot, Shamrock at home <laughs> because we did not bring him up on the RTNA episode. I really want to talk about Monty Brand, aka Marcus Corvon. Marcus Corvon. 
Oh, dude, I man. can't believe we actually didn't mention him in that TNA episode. Yeah, we didn't mention him a whole bunch, but I want to bring him up now. God, what an, an underrated talent. And even though he's, his flame uh, burnt very short, but goodness, did his legacy... <clears throat> is his legacy still felt once today? To, once again, it always comes back round to Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> <laughs> Because, look, if we're going to talk Monty Brown, Marcus Corvon, we have to mention the fact that he should have won the NWA title in TNA Impact. Yes. Yeah. 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 He yeah. should have, and he didn't because Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> and then when he went to ECW, they were like, well, he's big, so that's just what we're going to have him do. Even though he was very good on the mic, could do more than just be a big man and could probably have led the company if he wanted to. Yeah. If they wanted them to, really. Yeah. But they were just like, hmm, big man who's strong. He lift things. <laughs> they, they did because they, they ended up like pretty much getting people to no sell the pounds, which point, is a travesty. Yeah. Which which does suck quite a bit actually when you think about it. Because now like the pounce is considered like one of the most yeah, over the pounce moves is in incredible. wrestling. <laughs> but no, yeah. Like, what, just it. like it had, what I will say at this time is that you could see that there was a the slightest kind of weird amalgam of they were having these new guys from development coming in or having WWE's own guys coming in to build the ranks, but they were making the the originals of ECW almost dare I say glorified jobbers. Um. <clears throat> Because I mean, just mentioning those names of the people that were coming in, they were being like they were being uh, put up against Just Incredible, Balls Mahoney, Stevie Richards, Tommy Dreamer, and those guys were being the jobbers for these guys. <laughs> I mean, let's once let's... again, you've now given me a chance to talk about WrestleMania twenty three. Oh goodness, um... yes, of course, of the ECW. And I know originals. this is like. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like a side note before we get to another infamous pay-per-view to do with this specific thing that I assume we will get to. Oh, well, that's the next thing we're getting to. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah, ECW Originals, which uh, you may have to correct me on this, but it was Tommy Dreamer, Sabu, The Sandman, and I can't remember who the fourth one was. Was it Rob Van Dam? It was Rob Van Dam, yeah. It was Rob Van Dam versus the team of Matt Stryker... <laughs> Elijah Burke, Kevin Fawn, and Marcus Corvon. And Marcus Corvon. Can I just say, right, this match in context is a car crash. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you have every right to say that. One, one right, good highlight. This match is not a it's not great. <laughs> one good highlight is Matt Stryker's selling of the monkey flip from Rob Van Dam. That is <laughs> true. Because that, that is man, that is a good moment. That man takes flight and then some. Like I thought, Scott Hall having uh, setting the stutter at WrestleMania 18 was the greatest sell, but no, Matt Striker doing the monkey flip was the greatest sell in WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but no. there, like, there's something about this. There's something about this match though, where it's just like you can clearly tell that there's a big difference between the two different teams. Oh. Because, like, seeing the difference between, like, Tommy Dreamer and, like, Sabu against, like, the the new breed guys 
maybe aside from Marcus Corvon, it's just like two different sets of people have come together. Yeah. If only he had his own that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I know. Could you have imagined the originals versus the new breed versus the zombie King Leonidas and Nacho Libre? Look at now. <laughs> the sci-fi sci crew. Oh no, and the alien. And the alien that tried to probe Vince McMahon. There you go. That's the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> book it Vince no uh, <laughs> uh, I'm glad we're talking about pay-per-views because that brings us to ECW's one and only pay-per-view <laughs> that they've ever had December to, Dece to December uh, uh, December 3rd 2006 from the James Brown Arena in Augusta Georgia an attendance of nearly 5,000 people and only 90,000 buys on pay-per-view they had now, because only... if I if I remember right, this came after another pay per view, didn't it? This came, I think, shortly after. Yeah, I think it was two weeks, or it could have even been a week after Survivor Series. Yeah. <laughs> and... So you can tell how much they cared. <laughs> you can tell how much they cared by the fact that they had only advertised two matches. <laughs> Oof. It's always a good sign, isn't it? Yeah. They had only advertised, if memory serves me correct, uh, the the Extreme Elimination Chamber match, and the uh, I think it was the tag match of um, Ariel the tag team and Kevin match between the Hardys and uh... Eminem. That's the one. I believe that's the yeah. one. Uh, but my goodness, this card. Unfortunately, I was very lucky and had the wherewithal of the de of this day to go. You know what? I'm gonna pass on this one uh, live. So I have. I wasn't network. that smart and rewatched it. <laughs> I have watched the network version, but I did not see it live as is, which is fortunate. <laughs> but yeah. um, goodness gracious! Okay, so to let us go down through the match card, the dark match was Stevie Richards versus Rene Dupree. <laughs> I mean, if you want to start the crowd Fuck. off hot, you give them Stevie Richards versus <laughs> Rene Dupree. <laughs> Rene Dupree, ECW. Exactly. <laughs> you want to talk about this new age of ECW, you go for the for the pretty boy Frenchman that is Rene Dupree. Rene that screams Dupree. extreme to me. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's exactly it though they could have fucking done something with that if, if it's the opposite of extreme you know what i mean like it's the yeah. same kind of angle they actually used to do back in ecw with like you know uh, cactus jack uh, being the good guy yeah you know that that the fans would have hated it so like if you play it straight as if he's like real as if he thinks he's a baby face but really, he's a heel. The crowd are going to fucking hate him, which is exactly what... Uh, that's how you get heat. That's how you fucking make a superstar, you know? If they'd have done it right, it could have worked. Exactly. Exactly. Dude, if they ever actually paid attention and put any thought into the ECW brand, we could have got somewhere. <laughs> exactly. If they <laughs> fucking tried, then oh. it wouldn't have sucked so bad, you know? Oh, man. So, right. Running down like the card very quickly. The Hardys defeating Eminem uh, in a quite forgettable tag match balls mahoney well i was gonna say it's quite forgettable but it's probably the best match of the night yeah let's i'm gonna be honest and the yeah, best was... bit the best bit about that is you can clearly tell that they improvised like the ending sequence on the fly yeah. 
because they very clearly don't know what they're doing. They're just like, uh, I guess Jeff's just going to do a swanton bomb and we'll end it there, I guess. <laughs> Our time's coming up. Oh, yeah, it's so strange. It's so strange. I mean, stranger now is Balls Mahoney defeating Matt Stryker in a Strikers Rules match. Yeah, everybody loves balls. <laughs> Especially <laughs> teachers. <laughs> Elijah Burke and Sylvester Turkai defeating the FBI. Well, at least, well, the bastardized <laughs> version of the FBI. Yeah. <laughs> Div- Again, confusing matches. So confusing. Davari <laughs> with the great Carly defeating Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> <laughs> now that just screams ECW, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> Don't forget, Arya Davari won by roll up. Oh, crumbs, yeah, he did, didn't he? <laughs> Ariel. Add and... it to the counter, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Ariel and Kevin Ford defeating Kelly Kelly and Mike Knox. All right, look, I'll say this much. Kelly Kelly did improve over the years, but good lord, does she not have any business being in the ring on this day? Yeah, this was her. This was this was her first match. It was on pay per view. <laughs> oh boy. And of course. Uh, I say I want to quickly get down this because let us talk about the Extreme Elimination Chamber match. Okay, so there's shenanigans that started even before this match got underway. Sabu was attacked backstage and thus was was out of the Chamber match. The reasoning behind this... Can I just say, I have, I was going to say, I have my theory for this. Everyone hated Sabu backstage. <laughs> Uh, no, my theory for this was that they didn't want to put him in the extreme elimination chamber so that he so that he didn't actually end up like possibly killing himself mm. or someone else or someone else. I wish it were that, but no, it was gen- it was generally because people did not like him backstage. Well, Vince especially did not like him backstage. Somehow that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> so the lineup is as follows: it is Big Show as champion with Paul Heyman going up against Test. Rob Van Dam, CM Punk, Bobby Lashley, and Hardcore Holly? <laughs> Bobby oh, Lashley! Hardcore <laughs> Holly! So, he's hardcore. I don't know why you wouldn't put him in there. He's the most hardcore one of the bunch, right? It's there. I mean, I would have been more surprised if he was still going over the, like, with the firm and sparky plug gimmick. I mean, that would have been confusing. <laughs> why is it that's car driver at ECW? <laughs> but no, let us start with a little bit of history in the backstage as, as of this, kind of like the booking side of it. Because this is really interesting. Paul Heyman was very adamant that he wanted CM Punk to go over on in this match. And he was really pushing it with creative that that's the way they should go. Like, what should be is that Show and Punk should be one and two. And just before the third person gets into the ring, uh, Punk taps out Big Show with the Anaconda Vice. And then we definitely know for certain there's going to be a new ECW champion. And ultimately it would be Punk. He's received a lot of resistance from not only Vince, but from Michael Hayes, of all people, that said that Bobby Lashley should be the person to go over because he's the one that represents not only the future of ECW, but the future of WWE as a whole. Bobby Lashley, the future of ECW. Oh, if only they could have seen. (laughs) (laughs) But again, though, that that could totally work because... Mm. 
the same deal where you've got a guy like Bobby Lashley who's a great you know athlete he can work mm. but the fans clearly don't like him so I'm like well that's perfect fucking put the belt on him then you know you've got a guy that can work a good match and that the fucking crowd hit and then you can put him up you you, you can put him up against that's one thing man that I feel like Bobby Lashley as ECW champion is a good idea however I feel like the way they did it not so good. No. You know? Okay, okay, but 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 Dylan, what if he was a face? <laughs> <laughs> My reasoning being, he's Bobby Lashley, so he has to be a face. Exactly, like that's what I mean. Like he shouldn't have been a face. The whole way they did it was wrong. He should have been the heel. He should have. Vince McMahon should never have been involved in any of this shit. Donald Trump should never have been involved in any of this shit. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, do we get must to talk about we? WrestleMania 23 again? Oh, must we? Are we do um, after this? No, but I think, my, I think my favorite bit about the whole backstage politicking around this happening is that, like, there's all the stories, and that Heyman was like, Okay, here's our choices. Either we give it to Rob Van Dam and appease the ECW Originals crowd because they've had nothing this show. Yeah. Or Punk will be the future of this brand and the company. And yet Vince was like, okay, but think about this for a second. No, Bobby Lashley. <laughs> I mean, it's a good argument. <laughs> Con concise. Yeah. This man will be the future. This man put in Punk can like run this brand and be the number one guy for years to go you'll have it basically set out for you okay but bobby lashley's really hench and he can pick up people he reminds me of Brock he does a, so much he does a, the, uh, without he the court does proceedings a, <laughs> he does he does a very mean running power slam yeah and that is all we need absolutely he was yeah. sold immediately at that point <laughs> he has a headband. Uh, I mean, the advantages are just piling up here. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, if you really are interested in how the order of eliminations for this match goes, I will list them off for you if you really are interested. Please, because it's, uh, it's incredible. You know it's incredible. You might as well. Let's do this. <laughs> okay. So, first eliminated was CM Punk by Rob Van Dam. <laughs> 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 Ooh! Ooh, we're starting off strong. Okay, keep uh, going. By use of a steel chair. Uh, <laughs> next up was Hardcore Holly, eliminated by Test with nothing. I would just like to say, just to preface this as well, is that Test and Hardcore Holly were brought in to help the big show win the title. Yeah. <laughs> then they eliminated each other. Next up is Rob Van Dam, eliminated by Test with nothing. <laughs> Next up, eliminated fourth, was Test by Bobby Lashley with a crowbar. So we finally have weapons again. And finally, Big Show, eliminated by Bobby Lashley with a barbed wire baseball bat, giving us our winner, Bobby Lashley, as ECW champion. Uh, and ending December to this member one hour before it should have ended. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just thus... want to know how you make that kind of mistake. Also, clearly, Test should have won the Extreme Elimination Chamber. <laughs> clearly. I mean, the way they were booking him in this one. <laughs> so, um, just shortly after this, actually, no, immediately after the feed went off the air, Paul Heyman either quit or got fired depending on who you ask. 
somehow I'm not surprised again. <laughs> and the next ECW, the new ECW authority figure would be... Drumroll... Armando Estrada. <laughs> yes. Same reaction okay. you got. Okay, okay. I, I have to stop you here. Oh gosh, here we go. <laughs> I just, I know like, I know we've got a lot to go for, but I just have to know now. I have to know right now. What do you think happened here? I'm not talking like this pay-per-view. I'm talking in general. What the fuck are these guys thinking? What is the thinking here? Because I don't see any thinking here. It, it, you know, this is the first... Yeah, that's um, the point. There was no thought behind any of this. No, they were just like, no. oh, well, it'll work out. No, no, no. Because in every single... In every single podcast we have done so far, I have understood some of it. I have understood some of the logic. It might be stupid logic, but I've understood it. This is the first... Like, you guys of a making cafe, you're in a very historic one for me personally well i have no idea what is going on here i am just so you i wish you guys could see my face because i'm just so confused <laughs> so i have been confused for the past hour with all of this and i just need to know from people who are like who are pure wrestling guys what is going on Please explain this to me. I'm begging you. This is WWE in the mid 2000s, dude. I'm on the stride the new ECW GM. What's, what's Sam, 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 I reject that answer. I need more. <laughs> <laughs> I need some kayfabe, dudes. My dudes, you're you're the guests. Explain this to me. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> it's very simple, really. What's the name of the dude? <laughs> Estrada? Uh, Estrada, yes. It's a good start. Well, you see, he, um, he's a rich man, as you can tell by his suit and his hat. So he was like, listen, man. He went up to Vince McMahon backstage. He's like, listen, this, this business, you just saw that shitty pay-per-view. It was awful. But I'll tell you who could run this business, me. And Vince McMahon said, no, no thanks, buddy. So then Estrada said, hey, Vince, uh, here's a, a boat I bought you. What do you think of that offer now? And Vince is like, change my mind. You're in. But can you wear a hat? And Estrada was like, you got it, boss. And uh, there you go. It's so boats were exchanged in for jobs. And that's how he got the the general manager job. I feel like I've explained that as as succinctly as possible. <laughs> Any questions? Making Any questions? <laughs> Let me know. I... I am just realized at that moment that I am not getting an explanation and now I'm scared. Yeah, pretty much. You just got a pair of explanations. Oh, yeah. The boat. The fucking boat. But uh, I guess the only explanation we could really, like, the only kind of reasoning logic, if there is any, is that this was setting up a rivalry between Lashley and Umaga that would culminate at WrestleMania 23. Again. Bobby Lashley versus Umaga in ECW. <laughs> I, you know what? I honestly don't hate the idea of Umaga being in ECW. To be quite honest with you, no. I, in, in in a way, it makes sense. But in this context, 
It almost doesn't. <laughs> I mean, you could picture this. Oh, well, this rivalry, I would say, and the combination of it at WrestleMania, I think you could see was the the point of no return for even any shred of hope of the original ECW as we knew it ever coming back. It was under the, the WWE. Banner. It was the point. It was the point of okay, the guy who was originally behind this has left, so let's just throw darts at a dartboard and just see what sticks. Because I mean, we could talk about the, the we could talk about the match at WrestleMania 23. We could talk about the whole awkward nature of a black man representing Donald Trump at WrestleMania. But I will not get into that because that is a whole can of worms. I don't want to get into. <laughs> if only WrestleMania 23 us had known at the time. <laughs> but I I wouldn't have believed you then. I still I barely believe it now. Frankly, I mean, I mean the one thing the one thing we can mention was the Bobby Lashley versus Umaga steel. Was it the steel cage match where he speared through the cage? Yes. Yeah, where he speared himself through the cage. <laughs> I mean, but then we course we could we could talk about Vince McMahon being ECW champion, but my goodness, we would yeah, be we'll here. just move past we'll that. We'll be here all night. We'll talk about kind of this like... man booked himself to be WWE <laughs> champion. There's nothing else more to say, really. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. He was I wearing... have something to say. Oh, Bryce, go right ahead because I was going to talk about Vince McMahon in a. So you know, uh, sort of... <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to touch on that. I've actually got something to say. ECW Championship when she wanted me to go ahead with it. I can wait. I can wait if you want to talk first, but, you know, no. it's just all you know, stories are ready to go. Uh, all I'll say, Bryce, is that I was going to rib on Vince McMahon wearing a do-rag as ECW Champion, but you, I, I feel like you, you, you would have a much more beneficial uh, beneficial thing to say <laughs> to you. Just, so briefly, just briefly hear me out on this. Ridden. Yes. Vince with waves. <laughs> I will murder you. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most disgusting. <laughs> in the, that is the most cursed image in a year of cursed images. Right. Oh my god! I hate okay, that. Right, take head. it from the top. Right, take it from the top quickly. Oh my god! All right. Okay. So, started with zombie. Let's go into a second making KPA pure. So this is how you book Vince Man as the ECW champion. So. Oh, Vinnie Mac, ECW champion, fucking chef show, do your rag wearing Mecca Vince uh, is the most extreme superstar on ECW roster. So I, th I think the best way to, to, to boot this is kind of properly steering how much outrage it is that Vince is ECW champion. You kind of feel like Dylan's booking Lashley there. Like, you know, this guy should be a champion. He should, he's hated. He's uh, he's not representing ECW at all. So like, how, how, how ridiculous is it that Vince Man's champion? The, the guy who, like, allegedly stole the ECW concept and turned it into that era is now the champion of the brand. So if you're a ECW fan from the 90s, you're, for starters, you're probably not watching this show. But let's just say you are. You, you feel absolutely infuriated, right? So, and, and that's the role the, the ECW originals are going to have on the roster as well. So, that's how they're going to be played. So, I mean, you, you didn't have everybody from the original ECW roster, but, you know, you had uh, the likes of Sandman, Balls Mahoney, um, you know, Gardner Balls, FBI, Tommy Dreamer, you know, they're all going to take an umbrage at the fact that Vince McMahon, with his do-rag, is ECW World Champion. So, you know, they're, they're going to do something about it. They're going to challenge Vince McMahon for the ECW World Championship because 
damn it, that, that's that's their legacy he's tarnishing. So, so Vince, t- to his credit, he accepts their offer and he starts defending the ECW Championship week to week in television. So he defends it against the likes of Balls, uh, Dreamer, Sandman, etc. But here's the kicker. Vince still owns the company. He can do whatever the hell he wants. He can he can flip the rules in his favor as much as he pleases. So it's not it's not him defending ECW title. No, he's got his big boys, his uh, his wrecking crew, his uh, WWE original monsters defending the title for him. So Big Show, Great Cali, like Big Fat Fuck Daddy V. Why not? <laughs> that just fills the outrage. Not only is Vince champion, not only is he, not only is he getting others to defend his honor, but these WWE giants are, are beating the ECW legends week after week with ease. And well, well, Vince is like sat at ringside laughing his ass off. Um, you know, he would be, um, he would be insane. You know, so anyway, it continues until we bring back the best of the best of the ECW originals. Most uh, overreached of the original, the most populist of the original, uh, fresh back from his suspension after, be, after being caught getting high, it's Rob Van Dam. So, RVD, of course, he's, he's proven that he can take down big men like uh, Big Show, Kali, and Vassara. So, you know, he defeats them all, gauntlet style, with a little bit of help from like Sandman and Co. and, um, you know, all the rest of these W guys. But uh, anyway, Without from his ECW friends, he beats the monsters, and then eventually he goes one on one with Vince, and he wins, and he brings the ECW championship back to where it belongs, around the waist of an ECW original, and that is what you do as an ECW champion. <laughs> My okay. goodness, love it. So much better. Than I'm, I'm just. And yeah, let's go through what actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, and you know what? While I'm while I'm at it, Dan, I could just tell you this for free. Like Vince McMahon with waves is just Norman Osborn. It's just Norman Osborn. <laughs> <laughs> it is literally the green no, fucking you're, goblin. You're, you're, you're just reminding me of that one meme where it was like Norman Osborn had waves, but the green goblin was the one wearing the do rag. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why Marvel Cinematic Universe green goblin should be black. That is why. <laughs> <laughs> For comics accuracy, damn oh, waves. Book it now. <laughs> book it now. Not Vince McMahon, dear God in heaven. Okay, so yes, we we had to have a, a small era, dare I say, of uh, of of Vince McMahon uh, having the ECW championship, but it wasn't very long because Bobby Lashley would once again uh, uh, win. The championship at uh, EC at another ECW. I think it might have been the 2007 One Night Stand. Um, funny enough, it was. I think it was actually just called One Night Stand at that point. Um, uh, when they kind of just took the ECW name out of it, and then it was shortly vacated afterwards. So there you go. That was because Bobby Lashley was being drafted to Raw. So well done. That was well. That's another worth title win for vacant. Another <laughs> title win. Yes. Uh, and this was when I think this is where we can call the last few years of ECW when they kind of melded into the look and feel of WWE and became in essence a glorified development uh, brand uh, where not only you would have the guys coming from Smoky oh no not Smoky uh, Mountain but from Deep South and OVW coming in with more established acts like uh, Shelton Benjamin The Hurricane uh, and uh, Miz and Morrison, of course, as well as CM Punk. 
Um, so to list off some of the great names that came at this time for ECW, we have, of course, uh, DJ Gabriel. We oh. have the the future Ty Dillinger, Gavin Spears. Idol oh, wow. Stevens. Does anyone remember Idol Stevens? He would end up becoming Damien Sandow. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, Sandow. Yes, yeah. Yes. Um, we, wow. We had, of course, a a a sort of nearly coming, getting over Zack Ryder coming in, uh, and of course, yeah. the most yeah. famous and probably most big. Oh no, the biggest success story of WWE CW, Braden Walker. No, I meant Kofi Kingston. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Kofi, Kofi, baby. No, I was gonna say we didn't get Yoshi Tatsu. <laughs> One of the best performers on that damn brand. Sound right. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, it's strange to think Kofi got his start in ECW and had. It's so weird. It's strange. To it's think... especially weird to think it was in a very distinctly unimpressing match. Exactly. It was. Not... Here, that's a different nationality, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. He was from Danish Galleon. I was going to say, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how they retcon that, isn't it? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's another Kojima retcon. God <laughs> but uh no it's wait it's... you're not jamaican wait you're not jamaican always have been <laughs> <laughs> i love how they pointed uh, that out in a future promo when he was on raw and triple h goes aren't you supposed to be jamaican <laughs> <laughs> because of course triple uh, h being the edge lord that he is <laughs> just the absolute fourth wall breaker that he is <laughs> so yeah i mean uh, it's not really a heck of a lot I can talk about from this era, apart from, of course, uh, we saw the debut and subsequent kind of like rise to stardom of Jack Swagger. I mean, he immediately got booked yep. to the main event of ECW and became ECW champion. Of course, that also brings in uh, the return and the much tallyhoed re- uh, return of uh, of Christian, or as Todd Grisham oh, would say, dude. it's it's Christian. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being one of the so... most underwhelming reveals of all time, just because of that one Christian line. Back, but the way Todd Grisham said that was like, I want to. He, Ugh. I've never, I've never. I, it's very rare you ever hear someone no sell a commentary line. Yes, I mean, I mean, initial thought. I was going to say while we're here, then thoughts on Todd Grisham, terrible commentator. Yeah, not great. <laughs> He was Dude, they had that the... time where they eventually um, transitioned out Matt Stryker from trying to be a wrestler to being a commentator. <laughs> true, true. He was great doing that. Which, to be fair, shows. he was probably better at being a commentator. He was an excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and then they put him on WWE Superstars. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Let's not forget as well, at this time, just uh, just in these, like, when uh, WW, or ECW was changing, we had two general manager changes. So Estrada was fired and yep. replaced by, holla, 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 it's your boy Teddy Long. Yes. Holla. And of course... The Undertaker gets drafted to ECW. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and shortly... And shortly after that, I think it was around April of 2007, or no, 2008, I should say. Yeah. yeah. Around that time, uh, Teddy Long goes back to SmackDown as general manager and was replaced by... Actually, you know what? Can you guess who he was replaced by? 
Now, I believe I remember this, so I will go last if no one else gets it. Okay, Bryce, Dylan, can you tell me who replaced Teddy Long as ECW General Manager? Oh, it was... Uh, I think was I remember it too, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit back and see if Bryce can guess it. Oh, man, I've forgotten. <laughs> it, it, it was... Wasn't it... Um, what was her name then? Was it Tiffany? Ah, here we go. It was her, right? Yeah, it was Tiffany. Yep. <laughs> Uh, uh, if I remember, remember it was... ECW, uh, by the way. Yep. <laughs> uh, the future Taron Terrell would end up being ECW General Manager. Who's Taron Terrell? Exactly. Well, she was big in Impact. That's all you need yeah. to know, Bryce. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's alright in TNA, to be honest. She was, she was okay. Not too bad. Not too bad yeah, at all. No. Um... Also, at this time as well, Christian would end up becoming ECW champion and having quite a long, lengthy reign with that title. And yeah, of course, he did. We get to 2010. Uh, Vince McMahon comes out on, on, a, on a February episode of ECW and announces that ECW would be going off the air and to be replaced by a revolutionary reality style TV show. The last ever ECW match was Christian. Versus Ezekiel Jackson in an Extreme Rules match for the ECW Championship. Yeah. Excuse me, I would just like to say you've forgotten that uh, Ezekiel Jackson was being managed by William Regal. Yeah, let's not let's not forget that. Yes, William <laughs> Regal was was managing Ezekiel Jackson. Um, it ends with the final image, of course, of Ezekiel Jackson raising the ECW title up high, with William Regal raising his hand, fade to black, and thus. Ed's WWE CW to be replaced by a game show known as NXT. But uh, my goodness, no one remembers that. No one remembers the guys like Wade Barrett or Daniel Bryan or AJP <laughs> or Ryback. God, oh, those guys. Everyone remembers Fandango. That's who we all remember from NXT. Dude, big Johnny Curtis. <laughs> I, I, do you know why I so vividly remember that that season? God. Because they, because the, because the premise of the season was, if you won, you got a title match. Oh goodness, yes. Now yeah. clearly, the problem was they didn't know what to do, because <laughs> obviously, who do you book them against? And so they took the choice of we're going to book them against the tag champions. <sighs> wow, wow. The way to fucking play the contract. <laughs> I tell you what, we could. I'll, I I am looking forward to doing an episode on the original NXT. Oh, oh I Christ! Are we I about, have not. Oh man! We talk about Titus O'Neil with a barrel. <laughs> it's just so unfortunate for Titus. <laughs> but uh, no, that is for a future time. But thus concludes ECW. And I guess the final thoughts I want to get from everyone was, what do you think was? the the one positive that came out of WWE CW and we'll start oh. with Bryson Dillon I think the one positive well to be fair I think I quite liked their version of like it was silly they called it ECW but I mm. think that if you put that aside like there was a lot of good stuff on there they had a lot of new people on there a lot of people you mentioned you know there was a good showcase for john morrison and zach Ryder and sheamus and all these people but i think the best thing it did was give us um cm punk yeah 
Yeah, I'd agree with that actually. Yeah, there's not um, there, there's not too many positive two takes me in W. Like there was occasionally good moments, like like you mentioned earlier, Lashley kind of bursting through the, the cage onto onto um Yamaga. Like there was like interesting moments. Like, do you remember like um, when Harko Holly really cut his back really bad and it was like just pissing blood. Like interesting stuff like that in, in wrestling history and stuff. But yeah, the, the best thing about it was the, the introduction of guys like uh, they would say CM Punk or Sheamus or um, you know other, other people like that. It's, uh, um, that's probably the best that could have happened with ECW. Reardon. Oh god. Okay, so on in all honesty, I think the best thing that came out of ECW was NXT. It is in in all honesty, I think it's like it is its greatest legacy. And and the greatest legacy is Titus O'Neil falling over. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mean, technically, there is a straight line between WWE. If ECW hadn't been killed, we wouldn't have had Titus falling over. That is true. Yeah, like that is a crime. But in all honesty, I think it's it's that. I honestly think, like, if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have had any of the stuff that we normally rave about when it comes to NXT. So. Well, that's a good point. That really is like you could see that ECW was clearly like the developmental kind of third brand, uh, which our NXT now resembles. But also the getting rid of WCW or ECW, sorry, getting rid of ECW to turn it into NXT. You know, you can see that um, that progression. Mm. You know, as as strange as it sounds, like it's right there. So yeah, that makes sense, man. Yeah, I it like in all honesty, like as much as people complain, you wouldn't have Johnny Gargano without it. I'm sorry, you wouldn't. <laughs> you straight up would not. Oh, and uh and uh, champion you get Johnny Gargano. Yeah. <laughs> Six degrees of separation. <laughs> it's Adam Cole, Tommaso Champa, Finn Balor, Johnny Gargano for the ECW championship. Oh my god. I mean, I'd watch that. I'd watch it, but they would have all died, especially Gargano. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the I think the best things out of it, um, I think for me personally, I'd probably say Christian's return to WWE. Um, yeah. And in a way, being the precursor set up for that one world title run that he had. Um, otherwise, probably just giving CM Punk to more of the world and helping him get the platform that he needed because he is just that good. Best in the world. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Have to shout the says it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, for me, uh, personally, I think, yeah, I think it was just, if there's one positive I think we can all say and we can all agree on this is that it gave us uh, all of the current crop of of established veterans and superstars and legends that we know now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, Punk, Sheamus, um, Swagger, Kofi. Kofi. But for such a bad show, it's really is a murderous row of talent. It's kind of insane. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of really good people on that show you know it's just uh, that the show itself wasn't very good <laughs> yeah exactly like they had such talent but like they just didn't use it right you know mm. it's 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 
so like looking back and i was looking back uh, on my research notes of just the amount of people that came in and out i like i remembered one time um like i think it was might have been uh uh, one of the Jackson brothers actually had a dark match in ECW. <laughs> so doesn't surprise in, me. In, 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 in an alternate universe, the Young Bucks would probably have been in ECW. Because <laughs> like it, it's one of those it's one of those things. Because I think I was reading about it not too long ago when we started talking about the first concept for this. But I remember that obviously Yoshi Tatsu was there, hmm. and like he left to go back to New Japan. And then like the moment he went back to New Japan, they were like, "Okay, you're going straight into like a title match." <laughs> yep. <laughs> and yet on yet on the ECW brand, they were like, yeah, you're getting like, you're being mid-card on our developmental. <laughs> we don't think you're good enough yet. As, and give you the most, the most ear-grating theme known to man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what anyone says, Yoshitatsu's theme at WWE grated your ears. <laughs> No, the the I mean, I will, I will always contend the most eagering theme of all time is fucking Jeff Jarrett TNA, the Air Siren. We're back with Jeff Jarrett, are we? But if you're shit at the theme, do you mean grating your ears or greatest of all time? I'm not sure what you mean there, sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm leaving it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, is the answer to that. <laughs> uh, and thus concludes, as I said, ECW. Um, it's been a journey and i would say and i usually times when i say thoughts and feelings at the end of this but i think it's a general feeling of oh, what could have actually sadness of what could have been what might have been <laughs> yeah at least did give us nxt <laughs> very good point Rita. very good point um so before we uh announce the next episode I just want to give a very special thanks to Bryce and Dylan. Thank you for appearing and thank you for taking the time out of your day for, to, for joining us on this silly little journey for ECW. Super appreciated. If you want to plug your socials again, feel free to do it now, uh, guys. Thank you for joining the, the, the rabid wolf's pit that is our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Human no, embodiment of chaos. <laughs> yeah. no, thank you, guys. It's, it's been a pleasure. It's been really fun these last couple of hours talking about ECW. It's been great. Um, yeah, you, you can find us, uh, myself and Dylan on Twitter, at Making Cave And uh, yeah, like I said, you can find us on all podcast platforms if you want to hear us rebook the, the kind of shit parts of wrestling history you know we, we're, we're there for you we're, we're happy to have it here have your ears so yeah look us up making kayfabe and um yeah that one you got anything else to say uh, well, yeah, I just you know want to echo a lot of the stuff you said. I really well, I want to thank you guys for having us on. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Um, slagging off, you know, Bobby <laughs> Lashley, stuff like that. Um, and you know, we, you, we've probably got a bunch of ideas now. Having come on this show for for ourselves and rebooking ECW because I always quite liked the old. I love the old old ECW, and I I I quite enjoyed the WWE ECW. It, because I put aside that it wasn't what it, you know, it wasn't really ECW. Yeah, it wasn't trying to be what it was before. Yeah, yeah. so if you just watch it as like a little Sunday Night Heat kind of show, you're like, this is perfectly fine. Um, so yeah, I was kind of happy to, to come on this show to talk about CM Punk, who it really is the best in the world. Um, but like, you know, there are so many other other good people on that show that I think were overlooked and the people overlooked because they had the stigma of ECW. They either didn't want to watch it because 
it wasn't the same as what it used to be or they just saw the letters ECW and thought it was the same as what it used to be. So I think like across the board, you know, they had their hands tied and people, uh, it was an uphill struggle to get people to watch it. But at the same time, you know, they, it was a great platform for guys like Christian and William Regal um, and Jack Swagger. Even Tommy Dreamer had a good run. You know, I think there was good stuff in there. And um, we're really, uh, really psyched that you guys had us on your show to talk about that. So, yeah. It's been great, guys. Thank you. Awesome. Oh, it's our yeah. pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You so much. Uh, yeah. So before we head off, Dan, what do we have for the next episode? Next week's episode is covering something that an event that we all love and a match type I think we all love. Next week's episode is the Royal Rumble. Hey! Oh, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> so talking about maybe uh, on this episode too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you play your cards right, right and Dylan, <laughs> it, it, you run down I'll the entrance ramp. <laughs> <laughs> that's making folks music <laughs> but uh, no definitely Break talking the about call. what does it mean Jerry? what does it mean no we're talking about the history some of our favorite entrants and some of our favorite moments in rumble history for sure but uh until then i have been sam this has been dan and ridden and this has been Bryson Dillon of the Making K-Vote podcast. This has been the Sweet Chip Web podcast. And we will see you on the next one. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.